good morning, everybody. We are glad you are here. Just want to say Merry Christmas to you. The Christmas season is here, and uh, man, we are excited to celebrate with you. Next Sunday is our Christmas service, 9.30 and 11 o'clock. We'll be here in person as well as online, and it is a full family service all together in the same space, whether in your living room or here in our sanctuary and it's going to be a wonderful time, and, and one of the hallmarks of our Christmas service the last couple of years is this Christmas offering, and uh, we've been partnering with Foursquare Disaster Relief globally, and uh, this is one opportunity that we have to meet some tangible needs for those who are hungry around the world, and so I'm asking you, if you're a part of our church, would you consider, uh, take some time and pray this week. Say, God, what can we do? What would you have our family do. I know my wife and I this week, we're going to take some time with our kids. We're going to talk about it. We're going to pray. And then we're going to bring a gift to give as well this next Sunday. And so we get to be a part of the generosity that is Christmas. And so I hope you'll, you'll join us. Well, today I want to bring a message to you entitled Joy. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and give him that happy eye smile. If you're online, put your favorite smile and face emoji. Happy eyes because nobody can see your face if you're wearing a mass. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We've been taking the last several weeks in this collection, Hope for your home, and we've been using the backdrop of Galatians 5, 22 and 23 to explore the different fruit or the different evidences, if you will, of what hope in our home, whatever home looks like for you these days, hope in your home ought to look something like joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control and gentleness. You know, there's some scholars that break these nine fruits into kind of three broad categories. The first three fruits listed reflect an attitude that we get from God. So love and joy and peace. The, the second three reflect um, social interactions that we have towards other people specifically. Things like patience, kindness, and goodness. And then the final three describe principles that guide Christian conduct on a personal level. So it's faith or a gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. This is what it looks like to conduct ourselves as a Christ follower as well. Now, all of these are results of the Spirit being with us. In Romans 15, 13, we looked at this verse last week, and I want to look at it again this week. It says, Roman, Romans 15, verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. We want your hope in your home to abound. I want to ask you a question. I want you to take a minute and uh, think about it honestly. And those online, I want you to think about it. And you can sit there and type it in the chat if you want. And right after the service in the lobby, there's a board out there. I would love to hear what your answers are. But I want you to think for just a minute to this one question. What brings you joy? What is it that brings you joy? Maybe you're thinking specifically as it relates to the holidays. What around the holidays brings you joy? Where, where is it that you find yourself laughing? What is it that you find yourself 
doing or thinking about that just kind of puts a smile on your face? What is it that brings you joy? It could be joy found in your child, your baby. It could be a joy found from watching a funny Christmas movie. It could be joy because of something in the Christmas season that just, oh, it just brightens your day. Maybe it's a memory that you hold in your heart. What is it that brings you joy? I think that we need to think about this idea of joy. And here on this third Sunday of what is considered the Advent season in the Christian calendar, we want to explore this theme of joy. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. I believe hope for your home can grow as joy fills your home. Hope for your home can be found. It can grow. It can be cultivated as joy abounds and fills and floods your home. When was, when was the last time you just had a good belly laugh because of something that happened around the dinner table, maybe? Last night, uh, our kids had their cousins over, and we were eating dinner, and it was like one continuous roll of laughter amongst them. I mean, like they said something, and they just laughed at what they said. It really wasn't all that funny, but in their minds, it was hysterical. And like laughter and in our family, there isn't such thing as quiet laughter. Uh, if you're aware of my family, you know that there is no such thing as quiet laughter. It is the minute they open their mouth to laugh, it is like, ha, 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 ha. It is just overpowering in many, many ways. I think laughter and joy need to be in our homes. I think it's the hallmark of a Christ-centered home is joy. I think if we're following Jesus, I think joy ought to inevitably be on our faces. Like if you're not a person that has joy on display in your face, I'm pretty sure you don't have a full revelation of the love of God yet in your life. Joy ought to show up on our face. It doesn't mean that joy is always there or that we always have the emotion of happiness. The word joy in the Greek is it's what's used in the New Testament over 58 times. It is the word kara. Kara. It's this joy, uh, this cheerfulness, this sense of calm delight. That, that, that smile that is just kind of there, that twinkle in the eye, this sense of gladness in our Hearts. Uh, one, one Bible dictionary defines joy like this. It is a quality or attitude of delight and happiness, which is ultimately grounded in the work of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Among the many situations in which joy is experienced, Scripture recognizes as supreme among them being accepted in the presence of God. You and I, when we put our faith in Jesus, are joyfully and gladly accepted in the very presence of God. We don't walk in his presence with shame, with, with a sense of, of, of remorse and guilt that is uh, unquenchable. No, we walk into his presence and know that he welcomes us into his presence. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings this joy about in our lives as believers, and, and he gives us this inner contentment, um, this inner happiness, which is not dependent upon external circumstances. Joy is not circumstantial. 
It is a response of the spirit that dwells on the inside of us. Joy is a response that comes because Christ has come to our lives and into our homes. This is why we can have joy. We can choose joy. Doesn't mean everything is going good. Doesn't mean everything is wonderful. In fact, on the surface, it might seem counter joyful. It might be contrary to what would be normal joy. Think about, just for a second, the Christmas story itself. Like, I know that we, we kind of like romanticize the nativity scene a little bit. We kind of romanticize, oh, Mary had an angel come to her. Like, when was the last time you were startled by a big, tall beam of light with a booming voice, and you're like, I don't know who this is. Is anybody else seeing this? No, no, but just me? Okay, this is just me. Like, when was the last time that happened to you? And you didn't wet your pants. Like, I just want to know, like, like this, we romanticize the story of Christmas, but I want you to think about, like, the circumstances weren't really all that fortuitous. Think about it. It was an unexpected pregnancy. Not even planned by any human, for sure, and definitely unexpected. I want you to think about it. They were required to travel a great distance Talk about inconvenience. A Roman decree went out that everybody must return to the home of their ancestors. They must travel. It was government required this traveling. They didn't have a choice. Does that sound like, oh, yes, please. I would love to be forced to do something. Yes, that brings me great joy. Yes. No. Think, think about there was no indication in Scripture about there being a wedding celebration when Joseph did something honorable but yet audacious to marry a woman he was betrothed to who conceived a child that wasn't his and any other man's. It was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Can you think about the whispers? There was no celebration of their wedding. There was no place for them to, to rest their head in the Christmas story. They, they had to bunk up with the donkeys and the sheep and the cows. I don't live on a farm, but I drive past plenty of them. That's not a pleasant smell. Right? Like, that's not in any woman's birthing plan <laughs> that I've met. <laughs> right? Like, Talk about the inconvenience, the circumstances that aren't working out for your good, but yet the number of times Scripture says there was joy, there was rejoicing, there was gladness that abounded. Let us know that it was not circumstantial. Friends, it doesn't matter the circumstance in your home right now. Hope for your home grows as joy fills your home. Hope for your home grows. The question is, how do we cultivate and practice joy? How, how do we practice and cultivate joy in, in our lives if it's not circumstantial? In other words, it's not outside of our control, but rather a choice that we make. What are the choices we can make to grow in our joy in our own life, in our own heart, and in our homes? How, how do we do that? Well, I, I want to use this uh, kind of abbreviation, J-O-Y, joy. When I was a kid in children's church, our, our kids' pastors had this box. They called it a joy box. And we would turn it into a game because there was like this little song that went along with it, and it was Jesus and others and you. What a wonderful way to spell joy. 
J is for Jesus, you put him first place. O is for others you meet face to face. Y is for you, and whatever you do, put yourself third and spell joy. And we would have these competitions to see how fast Jesus and others you. What a wonderful way to spell joy. J is for Jesus, you meet him face. O is for others you meet face to face. Y is for you, whatever you do, put yourself third and spell joy. And we'd have these competitions to see how fast you could say it. That is where I learned how to talk quickly. It was born and bred into me as a young child to talk quickly. J is for Jesus, O is for others, Y is for you. Let's look at these three together for just a minute. J is for Jesus. How do we cultivate and practice joy? Well, it starts with Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 11. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. They were keeping watch over their flocks, and it was at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shined all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, no, 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 don't be afraid. I bring you some good news that will cause, don't miss this, great joy for all the people. Not just for the wealthy people. Not just for the people who have a certain worship preference. Not for the people who abide by all of the Jewish law. I come to bring you great news that will cause great joy for all people. All people. Not not all people who live in a two-parent home. Not all people who have family around them in their home. Not all people who live with their best friends. And not all the people who have an abundance of peace in their home. No, no. I come to bring good news that will cause great joy For all people, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Joy is found in Jesus because Jesus is the Savior of the world. Joy is found in Jesus because we rejoice because we are saved. Because salvation has come to us. Because salvation is available to you. Whether or not you have received his salvation is a choice you get to make. But if you have received his salvation, if you are walking out your life in faith, then joy is a gift that God gives to you through the salvation that only Jesus can provide. Jesus came to redeem us, to rescue us from our sins. Psalms 13 verse 5 says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. Friends, if you've been forgiven, you have a reason to rejoice. If you've been accepted into the family of God, you have a reason to to put joy on your face. But joy comes from Jesus. Psalm 35 verse 9 says, then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. Luke 15 verse 7 says, just so I want to tell you, Jesus is talking here, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous person who needs no repentance. In other words, Jesus is letting us know when people cross the line from death and experience the forgiveness and the life through the cross, heaven throws a party. 
Heaven celebrates when people understand that their hearts are in such a place that they require repentance. Friends, that's all of us. We all live in a place and in a state where we need repentance. We need a savior. And when we repent, when we turn our hearts to the Lord, when we begin to follow him, when our allegiance gets pledged to Jesus and Jesus alone, in this moment of surrender, in this moment of repentance, there is salvation that comes into our hearts that makes us new and we can rejoice. This is why, if you think back, those of you that have been following Jesus for a little while, the moment you remember being forgiven, the moment you remember surrendering your life to Jesus, the moment you said, God, save me, and Jesus went from being a storybook guy to a a deity that you've heard about to your personal savior, one of the corresponding reactions that naturally occurs in your life is joy talked to so many people who have given their life to Jesus and he's changed them because they've repented and things have shifted around and all of a sudden they're like, I just can't stop smiling. Why can't I stop smiling? I'm like, yeah, because you're finally alive for the first time. There's something new on the inside. Joy comes in this moment of salvation. Friends, we cannot forget the miracle moment of salvation when God makes our hearts new because we chose to repent surrender and believe in him yes we all still await an eternal forever salvation we're still awaiting a complete salvation of this world where we are fully rescued out of all of the very presence and 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 the penalties or the, the the results of other sins yes we're still waiting on those moments but your spirit your heart is new and so why we are still waiting for the second advent of christ salvation that will fully come to all of the world where everything gets redeemed and set right fully and completely and permanently we still in this moment must recount and remember our own salvation moments our own moments when forgiveness actually touched us in a profound way and when you recall those moments it gives you reason to rejoice When we recount what Jesus has done, we can start to rejoice. Psalm 51, 12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Isaiah 61, 10 says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Christ clothes you in his righteousness. It doesn't mean that we are perfect. It doesn't mean that we don't remember our sin, but we don't sit in our sin. We stand in his righteousness and allow his righteousness to be what moves us forward to become more like him, to sanctify us more deeply, to move in a way where we can rejoice because of the salvation that his spirit has brought to us. Jesus is the reason we can rejoice, because Jesus is our Savior. J is for Jesus. O is for others. O is for others. There is something that happens in you that brings a sense of joy and gladness when you serve other people, when you put other people first. And and in the Christmas story, there is one particular character in the story that always fascinates me. Because his entire life was ordained and destined for one purpose. 
to serve as a way preparer so Jesus could get the glory. The whole mark of his life and ministry was to, to make paths clear so it was obvious that Jesus had come. His name was John, and we know him as John the Baptizer. His dad was a man by the name of Zechariah, and he served in the temple of the Lord, and his mother was a, a woman by the name of Elizabeth. These two uh, adults, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were advanced in age, shall we say, and had no children and were unable to have any children. And, and an angel shows up to Zechariah, and we, we get a glimpse of this narrative in Luke chapter 1, verse 14. It says, but the angel said to him, Zechariah, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John, for he will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient towards the wisdom of the righteous to make ready, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This idea of John, his whole life was to make ready, to serve Christ in a way that would make ready for other people to receive. Uh, this past Friday, we got to celebrate and honor many of our, uh, those who serve on a serve team here at our church. And we were able to gather as many who, who were able to, and, and uh, we had a great banquet, and we do this annually for everybody who participates on a team, and, and it was such a wonderful time, but there were many people who had to serve to make preparations to get ready the very banquet. And there was a joy and a delight. I think about people like Beth who came and helped decorate and do, do different things, not on our staff in any capacity. I think about people who, uh, who were on a team afterwards. We were cleaning up and putting things away, and this whole night was just to say thank you to people who serve. And these people who always are serving decide to stick around and help serve some more. Like, like there's just something about it. When you start serving other people, there is a joy and a delight in this moment. And it was a great, it is one of the great delights of our staff to be able to do that and serve so many who selflessly week after week serve so that you can experience the presence of God so that your children can learn about Jesus on their level. So many people week in and week out who open doors and park cars and disinfect rooms and help run cameras and all of these things to serve you and I so that we together can open scriptures. We can worship. There's a joy that comes when you put others first. Proverbs 11, verse 25 says this. It says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Whoever refreshes others will be, why? Because there is a joy that comes when you serve someone else. I want you to think about this for a minute. How can you and your family put others first this Christmas season? What are some practical ways you could just serve others? Let me, let me give you some ideas to, to get it rolling. Maybe you could help your neighbor put out their Christmas lights or put away their Christmas lights. 
You could do a random act of kindness, pay for somebody's meal in a drive-thru, buy them a cup of coffee, deliver cookies to them, random acts of kindness, unexpected moments of kindness. That's serving others. Maybe you, instead of your your kids um, getting one more gift from you, maybe if they have siblings, they could help buy gifts for each other. So they're practicing this idea of others first. Others first. Maybe um, you just decide to smile more, talk less negatively. That was just for all my Hamilton fans out there. Smile more. Masked or unmasked, smile more. Make it obvious that you're smiling. Make it obvious. Talk less negatively about everything. Make make a decision this week that instead of speaking negatively or using sarcasm to, to add little digs and cuts just to be humorous and funny, why not only speak words that edify, encourage, build up, or compliment? Yeah, but there's so many things that I could say. Yeah, me too. Just smile more and talk less. Maybe that's one way you can serve someone else. Put others first. Maybe, and this is a great way for all of us, and that's to participate in the Christmas offering next week. As a church, we have a goal. We want to um, give over $6,000 to this particular initiative. We are taking 100% of all gifts given next Sunday, whether in the room or given online. 100% we are giving away for this purpose, to help feed people around the world, other brothers and sisters and communities who are, who are starving because of this pandemic. There may be less presence around some of our trees because we're tightening up some things in our homes because of the reality of what's going on in our economy. It's true. But there are many who have no food. And we have an opportunity to put others first. J is for Jesus. You give him first place. O is for others that you can meet and serve face to face. But Y is for you. And whatever you do, you have to put yourself third. But you have a part to play in building joy in your home. You have a part to play. I have a part to play. It is is my responsibility. We've said it like this before. Your spirit is your responsibility. Your attitude is your choice. Your joy is up to you because joy isn't a circumstance. Joy is a choice that we make and oftentimes a response to the salvation that God has brought to us. You know, when someone walks into a room and when they come into the room, like it's like the room brightens. You ever know something like that? They walk into the room and all of a sudden, like the atmosphere like shifts in a more positive way. They walk in, maybe they walk in mouth first, and the dynamic definitely shifts when they walk into a room. Maybe it's because of their joy. Maybe it's because they have a charismatic personality. Maybe it's just simply because they have a a graceful peace about who they are. And we say this. We say they know how to light up a room. They know how to light up a room. You know, I said it earlier that the Greek word for joy is this word kara, which is the root word for where we would get the Greek word charis. It's, it's the root of this word charis, which means grace or gift. 
It's also where we get our English word charisma. Or, in church, charismatic. Now, in our day and age, that word charismatic has come to mean many other expressive things. But at its root, at its original, and according to scripture, that word kara, charismatic, as we would say, just simply means graced with a gift. It's that word, at the root of that word, though, is kara. Why? Because when you experience the grace of God, joy is the result. At the root of experiencing the, the gift of God's forgiveness, his grace, that is unearned, unmerited, and unending presence of his spirit in your life, that, that, that gift of Jesus brings joy with it. There's a joy that comes when you know that the Spirit of God is in you because you've experienced the grace and the salvation of God. Where, where the Spirit of the Lord is in our midst and among us, there ought to be joy flowing from us. If God's Spirit lives in you, hear me very clearly, joy should be found from within you too. It, it just should be. It should be. I think we have to check our joy meters this week. Where are we finding joy? What is it about the joy that is moving us? Because one thing I know is that when you experience the presence of God, your countenance does change. In Luke 9, Jesus had an encounter with God and his countenance shone brightly. His countenance changed. When Moses met with God on the mountain in Exodus 34, he had to walk with a veil because the countenance was so bright, it was so shining, and they didn't even have teeth whitening back then. Right, like the brightness, the countenance of God, it changes, it moves. Why? Because joy shows up in our countenance because we've been in the presence of God. Psalm 21 verse 6 says, Surely... You have granted me unending blessing and made him glad with the joy of your presence. Friends, if you are lacking in joy, if joy is not something readily that you're finding yourself expressing, you need to make a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. Sing joyfully to the God of your salvation. Well, I don't really feel like it. I understand that. That's why it's called a sacrifice. I'm, I'm not sure Jesus got warm, fuzzy feelings when he thought about the cross. It's a sacrifice. It's a decision that despite of my circumstances, my feelings, or my emotions, or what I'm seeing around me, I'm going to choose joy simply because I'm going to sing joyfully to the God of myself. I'm going to sing out loud. I'm going to sing with joy. Psalm 1611 says, you show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. It's the fullness of joy. 
It, there's a fullness of joy. He goes on to say, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It's a sacrifice of praise that we give to the Lord because joy fills our life. If we want hope in our homes, then we must be willing to give joyful praise in our homes. We must be willing in our own cars to start and sing to the Lord. I don't have a good voice. That's okay. Most people don't. Turn the music up louder and sing anyways, right? Like there's a certain decibel level. If you turn it up loud enough, you actually sound pretty good. <laughs> the Bible says make a joyful noise to the Lord. Singing is not about a preference. It is a command of obedience to a God who is worthy, who sent his son to come and save and redeem and rescue you. That's why let the people of the Lord say so. I've been redeemed, so I'm going to sing. No, this isn't the Christmas that we thought we'd all have. No, this isn't the ideal of so many things, but I can make a choice to sing despite the circumstance. And if anybody had a reason to not sing, I think it was Mary. I just think about the devastation that she felt when her plans for a wedding totally crumbled, when her reputation went out the window. Because God saw fit to grace her with a, the spirit seed that would be Jesus. She didn't ask for it. It wasn't a prayer. She, been, she wasn't circling, getting prayer for 40 days. Lord, give me a baby before I'm married. Please, God. Let me be the virgin birth giver. Let me, Lord, let it be. Let it be. Like she wasn't praying. There were circles of prayer. She wasn't talking to her connect group about it. But in Luke 1, verse 46, once she had conceived through the Spirit of God and she had spent some time with Elizabeth, her cousin, who also was miraculously pregnant with the way preparer John, we have a recording of Mary's song. In Luke 1, verse 46, listen to Mary's own song. My soul will magnify the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of me, his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations are going to call me blessed. For he, has, for he who is mighty has done great things for me and his holy name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Friends, Mary had a song to sing. She had words that she chose to lift up in worship to God, and in his presence is fullness of joy. If your joy is not described as full, you need to get in the presence of God to lift a song of praise anyways. It's an act of your faith. Why can you even act in faith? Because you've been redeemed and you've been saved. You're a son and daughter of God, so you can stand before your father and give him the praise that he's due. It's not about your circumstances that you can sing. It's about your Savior that leads you to sing.
that leads you to say joy for the world. The Lord has come. He's come. He's come. He's come. Read through the Christmas story this week. Matthew chapter 1 and 2. Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2. And just notice how the arrival of Jesus and the announcement of his presence among us led to joy, rejoicing, and gladness. Just notice how many times those words are used in the Christmas story. You you can't read it without seeing this theme of joy because when the Savior of the world has come into your life, joy is the response. When he's come into my life, joy is the response. When we recognize that he's going to come again, joy will be our response. And joy will be revealed and heard through our song. You know, I started at the beginning of this to ask you, what what brings you joy? One of the things that brings me joy each Christmas is uh, looking and seeing Christmas lights. It's, it's, It's one thing that, man, I just... I have this, this glee about me when I'm around Christmas lights. It, it brightens me, literally. Announcing the birth of Jesus brought joy because the darkness no longer won. The announcement of Jesus' birth meant that the reign of darkness now was ending. light was about to shine. As we come to the Lord's table, I want you to grab the elements, but as we get ready to prepare our hearts, I I want you to think about the light of Jesus in your own life. Has salvation come into your heart? Has, have you been forgiven of your sins? Have you ever repented of those sins? Repentance doesn't mean we live with shame. It means we recognize that we have a Savior. So when we recognize our sin, it shouldn't lead us to a point of shame. It should lead us to a point of surrender because of our Savior, Jesus. That's what it it should do. And when we come to our Savior, Jesus, we find ourselves experiencing joy because he is the light of the world. And he wants to shine into your life, into your home, into your situation, into your relationships, into your dynamics of home and bring a sense of joy with it, a calm delight because you know he's present with you. Because in your worship, in your song, he's honored and glorified. Would you close your eyes as I read the words of Isaiah chapter 9? Starting in verse 2, it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. 
They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest as men who rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of our burdens and the staff on the shoulders, the rod of all oppressors. As in the day of Midian, for every warrior sandals from the noisy, noisy battle and the garments rolled in blood, the anguish and the pain. In other words, you will use for the burning and the fuel of the fire. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son has been given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God everlasting father and prince of peace of over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time for, forward even forever this is the word of the Lord with our heads bowed and our eyes closed friends I want you to hear this clearly joy starts when we move towards Christ through repentance the Holy Spirit shines a light on our sin, not for shame, but so that we, those who need to repent, can repent, find salvation, forgiveness, and rescue. In this moment, friends, if you've never surrendered your life and you've never repented before the Lord, would you take a minute and make confession to the Lord right now? In your home, in the room, just say, Jesus, I confess my sins. I want you to be my Savior. Take a minute. And before we take the elements, if you, I want you to look at your life and say, where has my joy been? Has it been full or has it been lacking? And this week, let's make a commitment. Jesus first, serve others second, and ourselves in third place, Choosing to sing to the Lord for his word. And now let's make that fresh commitment as we take the bread which represents his body, followed by the juice which represents his blood. Let's go ahead and partake. When you're ready, now the juice. invite you to stand as we close in prayer today. Would you stand to your feet? Those at home, hang with us. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your salvation that, may, that has come to us to rescue and redeem. I pray today that you would be glorified in the joy that we demonstrate, in the worship that we sing because of our salvation. Lord, I pray that today we would walk in joy because you live in us. And now, Lord, I pray the words of Romans once more. May the God of hope fill us today with joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Spirit may abound in hope in all of our homes. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe 
post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If, you're, if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.